Morning, Hope Church. My name's Ross. I serve as a senior pastor here, and I'm excited to be with you. Morning to our friends online. Uh, maybe wherever you're at, it's snowing, hopefully. Because if you were like me driving in this morning, uh, seeing the snow on the ground, I began to sing a tune. It's beginning to look a lot like Church at Hope Church. No, no. Yeah, I, I didn't actually sing. I'm sorry. That was just a ploy to help you sing. But yeah, it is looking like Christmas. And speaking of Christmas, we're coming into a season that as a church, we want to resource you with the ability to walk through what's called Advent. Uh, this is a daily reading and step-by-step um, -step plan for you to take part in either personally. There's a personal kind of for you adults in the room. And then we have some for kids. We made placemats with uh, they're laminated so you can leave them at the dinner table, clean them off, hopefully set them in their bedrooms, whatever. Either one of these is just a day-by-day -day reading that can help uh, just prepare your heart as you take part in this Christmas season. As we're approaching December 25th, uh, the birth of our Savior Jesus and celebrating him, this kind of helps you get there. So we'd love for you to join us in that. These will be in the lobby or the kids' check-in areas. You can grab them from either of there if you don't know where they're at. Ask me or another staff member or a person who looks like they do know, they most likely will tell you where they're at, okay? Um, but we'd love for you to join us in that for the Christmas season. And this morning, uh, we get to jump into our series on prayer, and we're on our final installment looking at the Lord's Prayer. Th this example, this model of prayer that Jesus teaches us in Matthew 6. And we've grown to know that through this, it's not a formula or these explicit words you must say in order for the Lord to hear you. But you have this model, and by the way, which Jesus is teaching us to pray and take part in personal communication with God. So that is what prayer is, personal communication with God. And each and every one of us have an ability to do that because of Jesus. And so he is teaching us the way Jesus is, and we get to take part in it. Uh, but today, like I said, we get to close our series in this last installment, this last uh, portion here. Before we do, I want to just shed light on the reality of today and how beautiful it is to close this series. Maybe you're like me. At times, you're like, how long can this series go? Uh, it may be me in a series, or you're like, man, this could go longer. Either way, wherever you're at. As we're closing, it made me immediately think of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, all right? I don't know why. Maybe I'm weird. Uh, but kids or students in the room, you're with me, all right? You like a PB&J, right? Right? Yeah. Yeah, so good. Maybe adults, too. I know I do. But if you think of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, it takes some preparation, right? You get out the bread, and if you are an awesome person. It's white bread only, okay? We can fight afterwards. You get out the jelly, which is grape only, grape jelly only, okay? That's an appropriate sandwich. You get out the peanut butter. Now, hey, listen, I know there's toxins, I'm sure, in this peanut butter. I don't really know, but Jif peanut butter is the way to go, all right? It's the best, so you get out Jif peanut butter. None of the natural stuff, that's the important thing. Uh, and then you get out two uh, knives. Now, if you only use one knife to go into both, you're just evil, all right? We could talk later. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, you get two knives and you begin to prepare. You dig into the jelly and put it on one piece of the bread and then you put the peanut butter on the other, okay? Maybe you're one who mixes it all in one piece. That is disgusting. We should talk later too because that is not how you do it. But all in all, you, you prepare and then you put it together. And what does it make? A peanut butter and jelly sandwich. See, individually, a piece of bread and peanut butter is probably good individually, a little bit, but not as good when you put it together with jelly. And this is the reality of the Lord's Prayer. As we're closing, we get to close in a really big, important piece of the Lord's Prayer. But yet, Jesus didn't teach us in the way to individually only pray these, but in conclusion, together in unity, that we're to pray in such a way that brings unity to his fullness of prayer and the way he's teaching us. 
that that it brings beauty and goodness when it's all combined and 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 just natural prayer and the way in which we take foot and speaking with him and communicating with God. And so to kind of give you a framework to, to see this, we're going to walk through and kind of review where we've been up to this point, And then we're going to dive into our last section today. And so if you've been with us for the whole series, if not, catch up with me. Matthew 6, 9 says this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We learned adoration, a deep love and respect for God, that when our prayers include adoration, we remember who God is and what he has done for us. Matthew 6.10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Submission, a complete surrender of our lives to God's will, that when our prayers include submission, we obediently seek God's will for our lives in every single area. Matthew 6.11, give us today our daily bread, independence, relying on God daily in all aspects of our lives, that when our prayers include dependence, we are constantly connected and faithfully producing fruit in our lives. Matthew 6, 12, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Confession, genuinely confessing our sins before God. We noticed when our prayers can include confession, we let go of the sin that binds us and grab hold of the grace and forgiveness which sets us free. We grow in greater intimacy with God when we confess before him, when we come to him in confession. And lastly today, if you're following along, Matthew 6, 13, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. God's protection, deliverance, divine care and direction, intervention in our lives. So let's take a moment before we go any further. I'm going to pray for us and we're going to dive in. We've got a lot of ground to cover. And so I want to, I want to get us there in a timely fashion. So we're going to pray for that. And secondly, we're going to pray that the Lord would teach us what it looks like to be delivered from temptation in him. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for your word. And then as we open it here in a few moments, as we've already read through much of your word, God, in the Lord's Prayer, I ask that you would help us see this as a framework, not a formula, but yet an invitation by you, Jesus, to help us grow in the way we communicate with our Heavenly Father, that we may communicate in a bold, powerful way, that we have access to you, God, because of Christ. And I pray today, Lord, in this, co- in, in this last statement, God, uh, that we see in Jesus, that you would encourage us, show us the way of what it looks like to be delivered, to be led by you in our life, away from temptation, away from the evil one, Satan, and his schemes, which want to trap us, which want to tear us down and tear us apart. God, we love you and trust you for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. In 1953, a cartoonist by the name of Alex Graham submitted a cartoon into the New Yorker magazine. I have no clue what this magazine is, uh, but it's called The New Yorker, so I'm assuming New York. See, this science, science fiction cartoon, what it displayed was this, two aliens approaching a horse, and they said this quote, kindly take me to your president. And later on, what we could only imagine as comedic genius From this specific cartoon alone would quickly turn into the statement we all know today, take me to your leader. And we see that in science fiction movies. We see that in, uh, you know, Star Wars. We see that in all these different uh, little things. And where it's just the signal of of aliens saying, take me to your What's so unique about this statement, as you see, it's kind of funny. Aliens going to a horse, assuming it to be some sort of humankind person to take it to its leader. See, horses don't have presidents, so I guess maybe so technically, but 
really they have nurturing, caring uh, farmers who take care of them. And so they would have taken them to them, but it's kind of just comedically funny. Now, now here's the reality. You might be asking, Ross, what does this have to do with your sermon? Not much, but if you think of it like this, okay, if you think of it like this, we're going to take part in this last section of the Lord's Prayer, which helps us discover where God may lead us, not to something, but away from someone, away from temptation, away from some things in our life that cause us to go astray. Now, of course, we can argue that that leadership leads us greater to him. Yes, of course. But if we look at the framework of the passage, it says explicitly this, by Jesus' words in Matthew 6, 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from the evil one. See, Jesus is modeling this prayer of protection in a really powerful way, teaching us to ask God for deliverance away from the very things that catch us to go afraid. Temptation and evil. Not only evil we know, but the evil one, Satan, who exists to steal, kill, and destroy our very lives, to snare us in temptation of sin. So as we go throughout life on this earth, what we notice is that we're on a battlefield. See, this battlefield has two fronts specifically. One is this, the, the temptation that's within us, and the second is the evil that's around us. Let, let's take Paul's words in 2 Corinthians 7, 5 as an example. He says this, Paul says, For when we came into Macedonia, we had no rest, but we were harassed at every turn. Catch this. Conflicts on the outside and fears within. See, we see this, 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 this great um, interesting fact that we're in this battle that, that's not only within us, this temptation we hold within, but the evil that's presently around us on attack for us, on attack to, to lead us astray, on attack to take us away. See, not only in the generations before us, but in our present generations, we face this battle. Currently today, you may recognize and even, you know, feel some peace with Paul's words as you feel you're fighting that battle, those battles today on two fronts. So this morning, what I want to share, share with you is two ways in which the Lord leads us away from temptation within and the evil around. And how does God deliver us from these temptations? And what might that look like? And I have some passages to walk through as we understand. So first, if you're taking notes with us, the first point is going to be this. We're delivered, delivered by renewal in Christ. See, the beautiful part about being uh, renewed in Jesus is when we surrender to Christ, our fullness of our lives, he actually offers us eternity to be. He offers us new life, not only to be, but also here and now. This salvation we find is in him for certainty, for certain, forevermore. Again, not only for years to come, but currently, presently now. When you think of 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. We see this isn't like a, a futuristic statement. Uh, presently so, if we are in Christ, if we surrendered to him, we've trusted in him, we found salvation in his name, we are in him, the new is here, the old is thus gone. It is instantaneous. We are in him. But through that process, after salvation, we find ourselves in a particular moment that as we've given our lives to Jesus, we inherit the Holy Spirit and take part in this process called sanctification or to, or to be sanctified. Let me define that for you. It's simply set apart. It's the ongoing supernatural work of God to rescue us from our sin and conform us to the image of Jesus to be in him. That means we grow to be holy Christ-like and empowered to do great work. 
This is this work that God does within us as we fervently pursue him, trust in him, and seek after him into his word. He begins to edify us, to change us, to mold us in his likeness, in his goodness. Yet although still sinful in our patterns at times, yet he molds us and shapes us. Paul's urging this molding, and we'll see that in a moment in Romans 12, this deep molding Paul urges us to in Romans 12, 1 through 2. So let's go ahead and turn there. We're going to be in Romans 12, 1 through 2. We're going to see this piece of what does it look like to be renewed in Christ? And what do those patterns of the world look like as the passage says here in a moment? So Romans 12, 1 through 2. I'll read it aloud. Read with me if you have your Bible. Use your phone. It'll be on the screen too. Romans 12, 1 through 2 goes like this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We see in this passage, Paul is directly calling out to our will to fully surrender and actually offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. And it's important to note that this body's statement is not only our physical nature, like our hands and our feet and our tongues and our eyes and what we see, but yet it's calling to the entirety of who we are, to our very heart's desire, to our mind's intent, to the renewing of our mind it's calling to, to surrender our full selves, full bodies as a living sacrifice, a, a living sacrifice that is to be used for God's glory and not our own. And not only that, concluding in that first verse, this is our true proper way of worship. The way in which we tune in with God and, and learn from his word and apply it to our lives, not only by mind, not only by heart, but by action we see, we then in tune are in a way of proper worship. And yet Paul goes on really quickly and says this, do not then conform. So, so how do we offer our bodies? We fall into not conforming to the pattern of this world, but being transformed by the renewal of our mind. See, Paul's urging this present age to not fall victim to the world that be in its patterns. It may not be a specific person or place or thing, but the entire sinful nature that our world currently exists in. Don't fall into its patterns, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That, that raises a question. What, what does it look like, the patterns of this world? Well, simply put and quickly, pulled from Galatians 5, 19, things like this, sexual immorality, lustful pleasures, idolatry, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, envy, and drunkenness, many more. I'm sure more I could say. But in this reality, all of these things, we recognize that in the world we live today, many might say it's just part of life to take part in these things. It's just the normal way to live. That our sinful desires lead us to do so, so we must just take part. It's normal. It's just part of it. Many others can be found in Galatians 5.19, consisting this worldly nature around us, within us. But we see this pattern in which we currently presently live in that is drastically leading us away from Christ tempting us to do those evil things that are presently around us, maybe even things that are presently within us. But yet, the renewal of our minds is defined fully rooted in him, renewed by him. And we can think of renewal kind of like this, allowing God to change the way we think. And rather deeper so, think of it kind of like this. 
looking at life, looking at the world, looking at you in the lens of what God has to say in his word. The renewing of our mind comes through the fullness of our words and by help of the Holy Spirit to see life in a new lens, in a new way, with new glasses that are perfectly in fit in line with what he says. So that means what he says about you is true. What the world says purely is not. That means what he says about, you know, living outside, like living far from worldly passions, far from lustful sin nature is true and good for you. And what the world says, just take part in life or what's normal is not. See, there's something really interesting if you think about seeing the world in a different lens. And we can call this our worldview, we can, you know, whatever, uh, many other things. But I think as far as seeing the world in a different lens, what I immediately think of are kids. Now, if you have kids, that's great. If you are a kid, I'm glad you're in here because uh, you're this example today. Because what you see through the world is so genuinely beautiful. Because you think of kids and seeing the world through their lens, and maybe you don't have kids, that's fine. You can kind of hang with me on this, this, this illustration. They see the world in such a different way than us adults. Why? They've lived a lot lesser life. They maybe haven't learned social cues or understandings of the world around them, which is okay and all good. But what's so genuinely authentic about kids is they see no difference between us who are mankind, humans. See, anytime you go through a grocery store, you might hear a kid blurt out or talk with the person next to them with no regard because they just know it's a thing to do and communicate. Maybe someone that you wouldn't communicate with or associate with, they tend to blurt out and try to make a connection to. Why? Because they're seeing the world in a different lens. They don't see maybe who they are, what they've done that you know of. They just see that they're a person they want to talk with. I mean, you can fit yourself in Lori's area anytime and see that kids see a completely different lens than we do as adults. And it's beautiful. See, this is part where probably, you know, through scripture that God's really calling us to a childlike faith because oftentimes kids carry their lives in a way that's stress-free, that, that's worry-free, that's genuinely loving and kind, has no other motive than just to be with you, talk with you. Oftentimes we might find ourselves helping our kids understand some boundaries, as maybe with me, my daughter Della, we're shopping for pizza or, or chips, and she just runs up to the person next to her. Do you like pepperoni? Do you like sausage? Do you like this? Do you like that? So I'm like, hey, let's chill out. I don't know if they want to talk, and certainly they don't. They kind of just walk away. So all in all, we see this beauty of this complex of a different lens in which we can view the world. And that's the lens that Jesus and the Lord calls us into whenever we think of renewing of our mind. This lens that is different. We see the world different. We know the world different because of the creator of the world. The good and perfect heavenly father has taught us so and is continuing to teach us so through the sanctifying work of his Holy Spirit and the goodness of his word that we take part in that we step foot in, that we grow and trust to know truth from him. When we put on these new lenses, it completely changes us. And rather, maybe we should grow to understand that as a new putting on and an old putting off. See, Ephesians 4, says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. And to put on your new self, created to be like God in his true righteousness and holiness. We were once in line with these patterns, which set us apart uh, in, in sinful nature, and yet are made known by the goodness of Christ and his mercy and grace to put on new life, new attitude, new mind, new self in him, solely in him. 
nothing we can try to do more of, nothing we can perfect on our own, but solely comes through the grace and mercy of Jesus. That by his grace alone, through our faith alone, we find that sanctifying work in him, the salvation through him. And yet we take part in this. So we take part in renewing our mind through changing that lens, finding that new self in him. We find ourselves being led further away from temptation in that way. That Jesus orchestrates a deliverance from those selfish desires and sinful flesh that when we root in him, we grow further away from those in which things we hate to do apart from him. Those ways in which we often fall snare to Satan's schemes and the evil one in him. So not only the renewal in Christ are we delivered by, the second is this, delivered by the body of Christ, the church. If you're taking notes with us, that's note number two. We find this in Hebrews 10, this, this beautiful uh, imagery of, of Christ's church and, and, and its purpose, part of its purpose here. It says this in verse 24, Hebrews 10, 24. Let us consider how we may spur one another on in, toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. See, what's beautiful in this context of this passage is, is it's, it's kind of a chunk out of a, a bigger chunk that's calling greater perseverance uh, for those who are in Christ in their faithfulness. So to persevere in your faith. Before this in verse 22, so just a few verses ahead, it, it said another let us statement. It said, let us draw near to God and said much more. Verse 23, it said, let us hold on to this confident hope we have in Christ and some more. And then we find ourselves here regarding the body, the church. Let us then consider how we can encourage one another, stir one another up in love and good works and service to God. How powerful and complex that truth to be. That the writer here is calling and showing the Christian that perseverance in our faith, in your faith, is also a community mission. It's also embodied by his believers as a whole, his church that he's drawn to be united under him, effective under him, directed under him, and embodied because of him. This passage points us to grow in Christ, but yet stir one another up in doing so. Consider it to stir, pointing towards love and good works, good deeds, service, not giving up meeting together, as some might, but encouraging one another. So that might be the question, what what uh, ways of encouragement can we find within the body of Christ, within each other, the church, me and you? Those of us who are in him, here's how we may grow in encouragement towards one another. The first one's this, by our words. Words and encouragement, you know, go a long way. You, you might be at a workplace right now where you get no encouragement and that feels a little draining probably, right? You might be in a workplace where you feel so encouraged, it feels overly encouraged. You're like, I'm super encouraged. This is great, right? Either way, Whichever environment you're in, we know encouragement by word goes a really long way. So how might we see that in the local church today? See, encouragement between each other here in the local church starts with maybe statements like this, and it can look in many different ways. These are just a few examples. We get to look at each other and say, what I see God doing in you is this, that, this, that. Wow, he's so good. Maybe it says something like this. The way you served in this way, that way, this way, to glorify God was powerful. Man, thank you for stepping in the gap and doing that. Maybe it goes something like this. The way you cared, like Jesus cared for us in that moment, for that person, for this thing, whatever it might be, man, it really encouraged me. And I know encouraged the church. 
See, encouragement by word between each other is so important, is rather powerful in our daily walk together, what this passage is getting at. Let us not consider to stir one another up, to encourage one another in love and good deeds, that when we do so, we're not only planting the truth that was, but delivering and pushing to the truth that will be in Christ through us. That man, God used you in such this good way. I can't wait to see that again. You've been so faithful to God. As you continue to do that, he's going to just use you like crazy. He's going to bless you like this is so cool. Whatever you might say, whatever words you might have, whatever words the Spirit might give you to encourage a person next to you is what's important by word. The second is this obedience or action. Whenever we see each other grow in the way we live for Christ and obedience, whenever we take foot, take root, take step to be more like him and actually surrender, using our lives as a living sacrifice, I believe it's also a way of an encouragement. Why might I believe that? I think there's a, a piece of, of our culture, of our personalities too, that when we see others doing things that we des- aspire, desire to do, it encourages us to then do it. I think of it in kind of a rather maybe negative way. Okay, I'll, I'll get there. Negative way. And when I was living in Chicago, there was oftentimes, you know, four lane highways, but then there's this shoulder that, you know, could be like a fifth lane. You know what I'm saying? As you're sitting there and, and, and like, you know, the bumper to bumper traffic, okay? And you see some people taking that fifth lane, the shoulder, all right? Going past you. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100. It starts to encourage you to do something. What might that be? Take the fifth lane. All right. I got to get over there. I, I Maybe I have a flat tire. I don't know. I just got to go check, but then I'll get over there and realize no flats. I got to keep going though. I'm in this lane, you know, whatever it might be. I'm going to try to figure that out. It encouraged me to take part in that probably really negative, illegal, I don't know, the law. Uh, police officers fill me in later. I think as far as that, negative. But here's the positive when it comes to his church. That when we sit in this room and we see each other take foot and worship our Lord and Savior by way of adoration through worship by song, you then stand next to a person who, who's raising their hands or you see as in deep worship and just, just recognizing God for who he is and what he's done. You then in turn look at yourself and you feel encouraged to take part in that too. When you see the row in front of you, the people next to you, some of the people behind you, hear their voices it further encourages you by their obedience just to take part and just to seek after him and love and care and tender care for God to do the same. I think of it for our students in the room. Uh, Students, you're in this room and you're with some adults that are around you. Adults, did you know that the way you take part in our service this morning, students are watching and they get to look at you as an example and ultimately, whether they ever say it or not, they may never tell you, but what's really happening is that the spirit of Lord of the Lord is at work and they're being encouraged deeply by your faith of showing up, worshiping him, seeking after him fervently, being in tune and connected to his word. Funny enough, it's not only by the age requirement of students to adults, but if you flip the narrative, I believe some of you adults in here are encouraged by the very nature of a student's worship in this room too as they seek after him, as they dig into his word, as they raise their hands in worship or whatever it might be, kneel or, or sit or sing aloud, you are encouraged as well. We see that nature of encouragement by obedience, by our very actions which point us to Christ, rooted in our heart which is changed, 
by this by this beautiful relationship with Jesus that truly sets us free and changes the nature around us. We see God use that for a greater work to show us the way and deliver us from evil. Because as we take part as a body of Christ in seeking after him, we then become this grandiose united unit under Jesus as our Lord, strengthened together to flee from that very sin, those temptations, the evil within, the evil around. The encouragement of the church delivers us from that temptation within. We see this Hebrews 3.13, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. I probably don't need to convince you that sin is so deceitful that it's kind of like a, a bag of Lay's potato chips. You can't only eat one. Or maybe you're very disciplined and you can. But sin's, sin, sin is far greater and worse than that. See, sin entices us to take part in just a little bit. And we blink and it's taken captive our whole life. See, sin just entices us. It's deceitful in that way to say just a little bit's okay. Until you're far, far away from where you were to begin with. It takes us captive quickly. It's the art of the evil one. It's the art of his temptation. He knows we are weak apart from Christ. He knows we cannot stand a chance against his deceiving tactics. Yet Jesus offers us deliverance and yet shows us the way in which to ask for it. Displays in the way in which he wants to deliver it. Not only in Christ alone, my hope is found. My joy is rooted. My sin washed away. My strength is present. But yet by God's wonderful work in his body, we may encourage one another deeply to flee, to run, to, to, to let us encourage, let us hope, let us stick, stand firm in him. I love this prayer and, and as I close of Jesus in John 17, 15. Prayer is a similar thing. And I love that he's taught us to pray this way. And yet he prayed a similar way in John 17. He said this, and this is Jesus praying to the Father. He says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, mentioning his disciples, me and you too, but that you protect them from the evil one. So this is Jesus' plea. God, I'm not asking you, Father, I'm not asking you to take them from the world, but would you protect them from the evil one? Protect them from Satan. They're not of the world, even as I am not of it. So sanctify them by your truth. And what is this truth? It says this, the next phrase, your word is truth, God's word. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. To be on a mission of seeking after me, being all in for me, but yet then allowing me to change them. And not only that, change the others around them. My friends, this prayer might we call dangerous. Invitational to our very deepest, darkest uh, moments in time where we feel the deepest, hardest temptation where we feel we need deliverance the most, may this prayer lead you to seek after him for it, to find it in him, Christ alone, but you look to the body for further encouragement to, to, to remain steadfast, to, to remain standing strong in him who loves you, who prayed for people like you who are in him, that God, would you protect us from the schemes of the devil, from the schemes of the evil one, deliver us, unto temptation, lead us into further life in you. Let's pray. 
Father, we thank you so much for this morning. God, I thank you for your word. And I ask, Lord, that you would remind us by the power of your Holy Spirit of those words this week as we take a step in a big part of this prayer. That each and every one are big and unique in nature. But God, as this completes the totality of your prayer, Jesus, and the way you taught us, we get to take part in inviting you, Lord, to lead us further from temptation, to deliver us from the acts, from the evil one, from sin. So God, I ask that you would help us, that you would guide us. We need you, Lord. I pray that you would help us encourage one another to, to stand firm, to do what's right, to see the world at a lens that you teach us by your word. And may we put on those glasses, that lens, may we put on that new self and never see it any different. As we seek after you, as we submit to you, as we depend on you, as we adore you, Lord, we love you and trust you and thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.